So we've got um, two readings this morning. The first is from Proverbs chapter 2, and the second one's going to be from Ephesians chapter 5, and Toby and Olivia are going to come and read those to us now. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge in God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Toby and Olivia. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I can't but grin. It's just so lovely to be back with everyone here. It's a real delight. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we've been asking you to fill us up again. And we pray that as we gather around your word, you would indeed fill our hearts and our minds with thoughts of you, feelings about you, imagination that centers on you. Fill my words and all of our responses to whatever you want to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. A lovely girl called Vicky doing my nails about 10 days ago said, the world's really weird at the moment, isn't it? And she was naming the floods that happened so dramatically in Germany and even in Belgium and fires all over everywhere. Greece, Turkey, I mean, really scary photographs everywhere, aren't there? Earthquakes now, poor old Haiti, plague all over the world. My goodness me, she said, the world is weird, but it's got to mean something, hasn't it? And I think she's right. I think she's right that it's weird, as in extreme and unusual, but also that it has to mean something. The phrase from this passage in Ephesians is, the days are evil. And they were then. But I think we could say the same now. How are people responding to these evil days? The internet, of course, is alive with conspiracy theories, um, which Russian stroke American stroke Taliban stroke Chinese criminal is responsible for whatever it is that you're particularly worried about at the moment. And um, I think when we go down that particular little wormhole, it gives, uh, gives rise to loads of fear, doesn't it? And it can run away with us. We hear stories that make us think that our whole identity online has, has been overtaken and nothing safe in our lives, or that every single politician is a crook, or that the world is, anyway, going down the path. 
And that can then lead us to despair. We can feel that the problems of this world are so huge, depend on in your temperament, you either get into it obsessively or you back off from it obsessively, or you can. And we think, it's all just so awful and so impossible. Frankly, I'm just going to look after my garden and binge watch Downton, and that will be, that'll feel better. That sounds okay to me. Or quite um, the opposite to that despair and that down thing. We can get obsessed with it, and go looking for stuff that feeds our concerns. And there's plenty of that to find. No wonder Paul, in this Ephesians 5 passage, his instruction is, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then... Apparently, abruptly, he goes on to warn against drunkenness. A mad thought popped into my head, which was that maybe a drunken guard put his head round Paul's cell door, and Paul thought, that's a bad idea as well. But actually, I don't think this is a non sequitur. It all fits together. And that is because through these five verses, the central thought is, what are you filling your life with? Everything I've talked about so far sort of fills your immediate mental and emotional screen. Fear does, doesn't it, when it really grips you. Internet searches can. Misery can. They feed that appetite that we can easily have for an instant hit. Your brain and your emotions love having that big overwhelm whether the effect is horrifying or fantastic, the way it grabs you can be really overwhelming. And it may not be the extreme stuff as well that you get pulled into, either the fear or the whatever it is. It can be stuff that is just happy rubbish. Do you ever spend too much time on happy rubbish? You click on a picture of a dog with a wonky face and think, oh, I wonder if anybody's going to adopt him. You have a little look, am I the only one? Maybe I am, at the floral dress that Holly Willoughby looked pretty in this week. It's not going to poison your mind. It's not going to poison your spirit. But it's candy floss rather than veg, isn't it, if you see what I mean? It's not going to do you appalling damage, but it fills you with stuff that doesn't really do you much good but it does have a really quick appeal, as anything made of that amount of sugar always does. And alcohol does the same in its different way. Get drunk and there can be instant happiness and certainly freedom from inhibitions. And we've all probably heard drunk people giving you their wisdom. But any A&E will tell you that there's far more effect, far more serious stuff that can arise out of that, whether it's on the individual or out from their behavior. And it's not only alcohol, obviously, it's drug misuse or any other stuff that we can fill ourselves with. Anger, violence, addictions, trolling people online, promiscuity, riots, on it goes. Emotions are heightened and wisdom disappears. And that goes for everything we've talked about so far.
So the contrast that Paul is making here couldn't be greater. The days are evil. The issues are huge. And isn't it when life is hard for us as individuals or for us as a nation or globally that what we are truly like becomes obvious? It's all too easy for selfishness and what's best for me and mine to become our top priority. Because, as we all know, whatever you are full of spills out when you are jogged. But Paul also tells us there are opportunities arising from tough times. Haven't we seen in the last 18 months opportunities taken beautifully by people for extra sacrificial love, extra neighborliness, extra awareness of other people's needs and seeking to meet them? Isn't there an opportunity for extra mission and for explanation too to so many people like Vicky who want to know why the world is upside down? And which of us can do all of that from our own resources? So what do we need? Instant gut emotional responses? I don't think so. We need discernment, insight, calm, and God's perspective. And how, when we're all naturally affected by the emotions and the immediate responses we have to the news, can we build up in ourselves this store of godly wisdom? Proverbs gave us lots of clues. Store up my commands within you. Apply your heart to understanding. Call out for insight. Search for it as hidden treasure. And Paul here gives us his sources. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. Did you notice? It's minds and hearts. So what's forming us within? What are you choosing to fill your mind with? What are you searching out? What are you reading? What are you reflecting on? What are you giving time to think about? And what are you filling your heart with? What recently has made you joyful, amazed, thankful. Our choices are truly significant. They're significant spiritually, even eternally. And they also make a difference to the everyday. What you fill yourself up with will be what comes tumbling out in your spontaneous responses. All too often, and more perhaps recently, I've noticed after I've spent time with people that I I've reflected afterwards and thought that my responses have been much on the same level as anybody else in this world, whereas I long for them to be naturally full of love and insight, of wisdom and extra sympathy, or I should say not naturally but supernaturally. If you pour the things of the Spirit in, he will pour out. I'm thinking of a two-year-old watching me put water into a beaker and saying, hopefully, hot chocolate in there for me? 
<laughs> no, if it was water that went in, it'll be only water that comes out. Now, in God's wonderful way, it can also become the most healthy habit. Some years ago, I had ME, you know, chronic fatigue, and I went off on a really helpful course um, at the, as a result of which I got better. And it was led by a psychologist, and um, he was explaining on that course about neural pathways or the connections that form in our brain. And I'm sure there are plenty of people in here who are extremely clued up medically and psychologically, so will you please forgive me for giving you the amateur version? But I found it incredibly helpful. It was, of course, specifically helpful to the people in front of him, and he was explaining it in terms of ME, which was that everybody there, um, our brains had got stuck, as it were, on a pattern of hyper-alertness and stress, and that was ha having the result of our being permanently exhausted. And he was giving us hope, which was indeed fulfilled, um, that we could change that pattern uh, within our minds and form a new and healthy one. And the picture, and I'm, I like pictures, that he gave was this. Imagine that you were living in a cottage and you had to get your water from a well, which was down the garden. And so many times a, gar a day, you come out of your front door and you go down the garden with your bucket, you fill up and you go back into the house. This would happen a lot. And not only would you end up with water in your bucket, which you needed, but as a byproduct of that, you would also be forming a really well-trodden path out of your front door to the well. And it would become really easy to walk along. And what's more, when you come out of your front door, you wouldn't really have very often to make a sort of conscious choice. Just in automatic, it's the path you take. That would happen. Then imagine that something happens to that well, and for some reason or other, you couldn't any longer get water out of that well. Lucky old you, you happen to have a second well in your garden. And it's in a completely different direction. When you come out of your front door, you would have to choose to turn in a new direction, and what's more, that bit of the garden is very overgrown. So it would not come easily to turn there, and it would not be easy to get to the source, that, the well that you're looking for. You would have to beat your way through the brambles or the nettles or the whatever it is, and it would be much more of an effort. But you have to do it. You go to your well, you fill up, and you come back with what you need, and you have to do it frequently. You know exactly what would happen. That path would gradually open up. It would become the natural way that you turn as you walk out of your door. It would become an easy and regular place for you to go. And in the meantime, the other path that you used to take would become overgrown. We know this on a perfectly ordinary level, in terms of our usual thinking. If you are putting great efforts into learning French, then you will find that an interesting word pops up and you think, well, oh, I wonder what that is in French. You'll begin to think in French. You may, if you're really good at French, begin to dream in French. And if you're keen on, oh, whenever the Euros were on, for instance, that, talk to anybody who was keen on the Euros, they had the matches and the scores and the possibilities and the, if they win, then possibly whatever. It was in the forefront of their minds. It was right there as information for them to give you like that. Life moves on. You stop going to France on holiday. You stop reading a French book. Your vocab gets dusty, doesn't it? 
The Euros go by and you get into the Olympics and there's a new thing that you are suddenly an utter specialist on. It happens to all of us. And God can use these opportunities for us in our minds as well. This habit forming is how our brains are made. They're brilliant. It's neural pathways. And whatever you do frequently will become a path that you can take easily and also that you will find yourself halfway down that path before even making a conscious choice. That will be the case negatively if, for instance, you're in a pattern of fear you will be halfway into an imagination of being gripped by that fear before you've even made a choice about it. And if that's not a good path for you, you will need to say, hold on, stop. That's not a good path anymore. I need to go down a healthier path. But we can make healthy choices as well. And how we do that is by following this passage, filling our minds and our hearts with the Bible, filling it with spiritual songs, with truth and with hope and with godly encouragement, and also speaking about such things to other people. Because whatever you express is strengthened for better or for worse. Or if you think that your mind has become clogged with unhealthy things, then you do need to form a new path to get to the purity and the truth and the good things that God would give you. And in my experience, maybe I've got just a lazier brain or a lazier heart than most people, but I think that that can be quite hard work and I am naturally lazy, and I have to push against my reluctance, against my boredom, against the fact that I'd rather do something which is quick and easy. And yet, if it's healthy, I need to push through. Maybe we all do. And if we do form that pattern, then that will bless us, because of course it's healthy and right to fill ourselves with the things of God. You will also be far more of a blessing to the people with whom you love, and live, and with whom you're in friendships. What a blessing you will be when what tumbles out of you is loving and positive and humorous and full of hope, rather than the, well, I won't put words to the grumpiness that some of us otherwise naturally get into, and we have to haul ourselves back. But it is not only significant for us personally and for our relationships. The world needs us to make these choices. These are evil days. And what my nails friend Vicky called weird uh, means that people are looking for voices that make some sense of all that's happening. Everyone wants wisdom and guidance and reassurance and a sense of meaning. Is God's church audible in this world bringing his wisdom and understanding. It won't be if we are not wholly committed first to receiving it from him and then expressing it in truth and love. So let Proverbs give us both the challenge and the promise as I finish. Listen to the intentionality in this. If you call out for insight, 
and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is what we all need, and it's what our broken world needs as well. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for the candy floss that I sometimes fill my mind with. I'm sorry for the stuff that I fill my mind with that is worse than that. Negative patterns of thought or heart that don't do me any good and that seem to block how receptive I am to truth and to love and to hope. Father, I pray that you will come and fill up every mind and every heart here. Remind us of your character and fill us up so that we express your character. And give us your wisdom and understanding so that in your grace we might be part of how you bless the world and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.